Yes, hello, it's Jason Louv, and this is the Ultra Culture Podcast. And on that note, we have an excellent podcast for you on the philosophy of the Kabbalah. I'm talking with a student about disentangling what the Kabbalah means, what it's used for, why it's useful, and generally cutting through the confusion to see the clarity of why this is such a potent tool for understanding life, let alone for Western mysticism in general. The Kabbalah, which is an originally Jewish system for analyzing levels of reality as it manifests, has been of tremendous importance to European intellectual history. Students of Western mysticism have been puzzling over it for centuries, often doing little more than confusing themselves. I tend to think about it as almost like computer code for reality, or even more specifically as the branch of mathematics that is concerned with symbolism and meaning, which sounds like a tall claim, but makes actually quite a lot of sense the more you get into it. However, when students don't really understand what they're looking at, this often leads them to abandon Kabbalah altogether and loudly proclaim themselves superior to it or even that it is unnecessary for magic. We've probably all met people like this or been that person. However, as we're going to see in this podcast, that's a huge, huge mistake. When properly understood, Kabbalah does not make magic more complex. It's actually a tremendously useful tool for making things much, much more simple. So to dig in further on that, just to preface this podcast, let me, I'm going to read the section from my book, John D. and the Empire of Angels about Kabbalah, which is, I think, probably the most concisely I've ever explained the topic. If you haven't yet read John D. and the Empire of Angels, which is my book on kind of the entire history of Western magic, it's still chugging along. You can still get it on Amazon. It will never go out of style. It is um, the best book I've ever written and analyzes not only John D. and the Enochian system, but actually the entire history of the progression of Western thought and uh, politics for the last thousand years. Highly recommended. Okay, this is from chapter five, which is specifically about Kabbalah and Neoplatonism, which is called Ladder of Spheres. In this section, I'm talking about Kabbalah within the context of John D's interest in it in the Renaissance, but it is, so there's a few references to D here, but it's about Kabbalah in general. Okay. To the study of Hermeticism and Neoplatonism, D had now added that of the Kabbalah, which builds on Neoplatonism's pure philosophy to provide a working system of categorizing and sorting the universe into a cohesive whole. Broadly speaking, Kabbalah is the branch of mathematics that is concerned with studying the mind of God. Originally a rabbinical tool of scriptural interpretation, it was synthesized with Christianity, Hermeticism, and Renaissance Neoplatonism in the 15th century by Giovanni Pico della Mirandola. Mercifully, it is the structure that brings order to this ideological stack and draws it together into a cohesive and elegant pattern. While Hermeticism posits the interconnection of all things in the universe, the Kabbalah shows what the connections actually are and forms a metaphorical map of the cosmos. The system postulates ten spheres, or sephiroth, that make up the energetic circuit of creation, beginning with Godhead and terminating in manifest reality. This map demonstrates how reality comes into being, starting from the void, progressing through the mind of God, into causal blueprints carried out by angels, through the astral world of dreams and emotions, and then into the physical world. Likewise, it shows how everything that has already been manifested 
interlinks and connects into a cohesive whole. As a more sophisticated version of the great chain of being, it shows how to reascend the ladder back to God, and for the men's adeptus, suggests how to participate in the patterning and continual manifestation of the universe. Brief summations of the ten spheres in modern terms are as follows. 1. Kether, crown, godhead, the spark of creation or Big Bang. 2. Hokma, wisdom, positive, masculine, the stars and zodiac. 3. Bina, understanding, negative, feminine, Saturn. 4. Hesed, glory, structure, Jupiter. 5. Gabura, power, separation, Mars. 6. Tefereth, beauty, divinity as manifest in humanity, the sun. 7. Netzach, victory, emotion, Venus. 8. Hod, splendor, intellect, Mercury. 9. Yasad, foundation, sex, dreams, life energy, the astral plane, the moon. 10. Malkuth, kingdom, the physical world, earth. To these are added zero, Ein Sof, the void, as well as a theoretical sphere, Doth, knowledge, which corresponds to the separation between spheres 1 through 3 and 7 through 10, the abyss between unmanifest and manifest existence, noumenon and phenomenon. The abyss also represents the utmost limit of the rational mind, beyond which it cannot pass. The Sephiroth are not a literal map of reality. Rather, they are a map of mankind's capacity for creating meaning, which shows that the entirety of human thought can be condensed into the numbers 0 through 10. These 10 spheres are connected by 22 paths, each of which blends the two spheres it connects, and they are assigned to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, meaning that the structure of the Kabbalah is an outgrowth of the Hebrew language itself. This forms a pattern referred to as the Tree of Life, and raises its total number of spheres and paths to 32. In addition to the Hebrew alphabet, these spheres and paths were assigned to combinations of the four classical elements, seven classical planets, and twelve zodiacal signs. In addition to the Hebrew alphabet, these spheres and paths were assigned to combinations of the four classical elements, seven classical planets, and twelve zodiacal signs. To these paths, it was thought, could be attributed the totality of human knowledge, as well as the totality of the aspects of the physical universe, a Renaissance prototype of a neural net. As such, the Kabbalah forms a cohesive map of the human mind, and as mankind was thought to be made in God's image, therefore infers a map of the mind of God. By the analogical thinking of operative magic, in which like is connected to like, this map could also suggest pathways by which an individual could influence anything in the universe. Much as the great chain of being does, this version of the Kabbalah suggests that most humans are following a downward trend of manifestation, proceeding from God into the gross materiality of the physical world. An intrepid initiate, however, could reverse this course, reascending Jacob's ladder back to their source and thereby restoring their original divine nature. The Hermetic Kabbalah thus formed the ground plan for undertaking this inner adventure and completing the great work. In addition to the map of the Tree of Life, the Kabbalah incorporates the processes of gematria, or adding up the numerical values associated with the Hebrew alphabet to discover hidden meanings and analogies in scripture. For the working Kabbalist, this process is extended beyond the written word and into the whole of nature.
Kabbalah has a tendency to terrify with its complexity, but is simple in practice. In fact, people in Western societies have been immersed in it their entire lives, as its association chains are hardwired into Western civilization. As an example, consider the sphere Netzach, symbolizing love, to which corresponds the planet Venus, roses, copper, the goddess Aphrodite, the virtue of unselfishness, and so on. This cluster of association should make perfect sense for Westerners as all relating to each other and to the concept of love. This is Kabbalah, understanding and categorizing nature as a language of correspondences. Now, to extend this further and begin to think like an operative magician, consider the quote-unquote magical operation of using these Kabbalistic correspondences to create a talisman to win or reinforce the love of a sweetheart. Give her seven roses, not too few, not too many, a copper locket, and a card with a poem written to her as if she were the goddess Aphrodite, and see what magical effect this has. Of course, you may say that there's no value in such objects and ritual gestures, and it's the thought that counts, but see how far that gets you. The analogical and associative meaning building of the Kabbalah can seem daunting and even opaque to non-initiates like somebody looking into a manual on advanced computer programming or differential calculus for the first time. Yet as with these arts, the processes of Kabbalah were created in order to do complex things more easily. Once the initial learning curve is passed, Kabbalah allows for complex association chains that decrease the overall mental operations needed to work out any given problem. A student of Kabbalah will seek to relate everything in their life to the tree, until the whole of existence changes from a chaos of noise and information into a perfectly organized filing cabinet. From here, the mental silence of meditation becomes easier, and the mind becomes still enough to receive wisdom from that silence. This method of jnana yoga is not for everybody. Spiritual adherents with more physical or emotional temperaments will gravitate toward hatha yoga, physical postures, or bhakti yoga, and prayer, but for compulsive intellectuals, it can be a blessing as it is meant to overload the rational mind with divine semiotics until the discursive mind finally breaks and lets go, allowing merciful moments of transcendence from the reasoning faculty or ruach. One soon sees the connections between literally everything in nature. Every number, word, color, god form, personal interaction, mode of consciousness, and even thought collapses into a shining hole, revealing that the totality of the universe is connected and is itself the mind of God in the process of manifesting itself. It is from this process that we get the step-down occult artifacts of numerology, tarot, color symbolism, and all the rest. Yet what were analogical tools in the enlightenment machine of initiates become gaudy fortune-telling devices in the superstitious hands of the unawakened. So there you have it. Again, that's from John D. and the Empire of Angels, my book, which is on Amazon and is awesome. So with that said, if you've ever puzzled over what exactly Kabbalah is or why its study is necessary to magic, you're going to really, really enjoy this podcast. All right. Enjoy the show. Make sure to grab the Cyber Monday deals while you still can. And I will see you in class. I just had one quick question. Um, <laughs> I almost kind of feel silly asking it because um, I'm not sure it's something you can even answer. Um, 
but uh, there's this being that's uh, referenced very infrequently across the literature, the cosmic lion. And uh, cosmic lion. Yeah, the cosmic lion was in what literature? It's very referenced very, very seldomly, very sporadically. Uh, you know, uh, Holy Damon. It's it's mentioned in that book. What is holy? What is holy Damon? Holy Damon. Uh, who wrote it? Frater uh, Archer. I don't know who that is. Yeah, um, and it's mentioned in a few other places. Uh, this was the actual being that I uh, had a fairly significant vision of. And so I was wondering if, you know, in all of your sort of, you know, journeys across the literature, if you had come across any mentions of the cosmic lion, you know, if you'd like to do a Google search for it and you see some images close, you know, it's clear that, that this is a, uh, this, the, the image of the cosmic lion is sort of in human consciousness. It's something that emerges. But beyond, you know, people would maybe recall the Lion of Judah. Uh, but what I encountered was something that, that wasn't uh, necessarily tied to any um, human culture or anything of that sort. Some, you know, a being that is literally made of light and composed of stars. Um, Okay. So I was just curious if you had ever come across anything like that or... Yeah, it's very simple. I mean, for, at least from what you're describing, and it, this is possibly not the exact answer, but it's the, it's the, the, the it's Leo, right? It's, it's the, it's, it's Leo in the Zodiac. All right. Right there. So it's a lion, a lion made of stars of light is the Leo section of the night sky. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm a Leo, so uh, maybe that would make a little bit more sense. I there's guess, lot, you know, there's, there's a lot of other stuff that it relates to. It's often used as a symbol for Christ and the line of Judah, all that. And um, there are Gnostic elements to the lion as well. Crowley talks about it. I was only bringing it up because after having had this extraordinary, I mean, the kind of vision that brings you to your knees weeping, you know. Um, what, what, you know what prompted this? Like what con? This was years ago, years ago. Um, and, you know, in and for the most part, I, I, I truly believe that a lot of the work is letting these things go. And, um, but this was the one that was just so incredible. Um, and it was noetic in, 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 in nature. And I know that the answer, any questions that I have about it are fundamentally within I guess sometimes, you know, when you start um, hitting on some of this stuff, it can always be helpful to, you know, interact with another <laughs> flesh and blood human being face to face. Right. Um, so I was just curious if that was something that you would ever uh, come across, you know, personally in your subjective experience or, or, or read about it. It seemed like when I was doing my research, besides outside of the Lion of Judah, right? Um, which is a very, uh, you know, I grew up uh, Protestant and the Lion of Judah is a very um, frequently used metaphor. Um, be, besides that, in other literature, you know, you come across a lot of similar themes, a lot of similar stuff, but it seemed as, it seems to me as if this cosmic lion is very rarely 
um, like elaborated on, you know, as, as a, as a being. And I mean, all, all the lion said to me was you have to make a decision. You know, it was more of a warning at the time than anything else. About something specific. Oh, I think, no, I was just, I was reaching the threshold, you know, of life and death. Um, and, uh, if I continued along the path I was going down, I was risking madness, all of the, the, the usual stuff. Um, okay. At least this is my current level of understanding after, you know, two and a half years of, uh, integration work on this. So, so the lion generally, okay. So a couple points, one is when you encounter magical visions like this, you are always interacting with a level of yourself and a level of the universe. And ultimately they're kind of porous, right? Yeah. That was definitely the sense. There wasn't a whole lot of boundary. Like I would be hard pressed to tell you whether or not this was something outside of myself it would appeared outside, but it would appeared outside having come from within that kind of deal. Right. I mean, and that's how magic, the magical right. experience is. So, um, um, the, but when you experience visions, they are not necessarily distinct entities or beings as much as, um, symbolic representations of some form of the universe or yourself and, or the universe and yourself communicating back to you through a symbolic form. And it works the same way as like with dream imagery, right? Where it's like, if you dream of flying, it really means having sex or something like that. You know, it's like, yeah. in the case of magic, it's not that it means some Freudian thing. It tends to mean some part of the tree of life, right? So it means, so that means a element, some mixture of elemental, planetary or zodiacal, right? Uh, and as well as a path and so, so basically like, okay, so, so you mentioned that this is not elaborated on very, very often. I actually disagree. This is elaborated on all the time. It's the, it's the zodiacal sign of Leo, which underlies so much of everything, right? Um, Leo also is, um, both it has the lion imagery as well as solar energy, which has some connotations. One of which is the ego, like the ego structure itself, not in a bad way necessarily, but in a very, like, you know, the, the very valorous, uh, solar lion, you know, roaring like a lion, all of that, you know, it's like yeah. letting your, your, your true self out, you know? And, and so uh, in the context that you mentioned it to me, it sounds somewhat like a warning from your own ego <laughs> to yourself. Right. Wow. Right? In a good way. Right. But, but the lion, the, the lion represents <laughs> the best part, it's, it's Tefer, in a sense like Tefereth, although it's not a, it's the, as I was going to say, yeah, if I had to, if I, you know, had to associate it with something, I would associate, associate it with Tefereth. The obvious association is with Leo. Given the fact that I am a Leo, it's unsurprising. I think, uh, astrology of all of the, like, for some reason I have a much easier time accepting Kabbalah than astrology. Um, and maybe that's just such a strong scientific uh, disposition coming from before. This, right? This is this because this is a very confusing point for people. Um, astrology is part of Kabbalah, right? But when you yes. look at all this, look at it like this, right? People obsess over 
astrology and and numerology and things like this as if there's some type of predictive science which yeah right and you're completely right it's just like come on you know but the way the best way to look at it for from a magical perspective is um so you have like an artist palette right yeah okay and you've got the elements you've got the planets you've got the zodiac and these are like your palette for describing experiences, visions, energies, where most people just have good and bad. Ugh. You know, where if you have the Kabbalah or you have a wider perspective, you have elements, planets, zodiac, and they all combine. And by the time you get to Enochian, which we were just talking about, Enochian is basically a finely great, like Kabbalah basically combines all of these. If you yeah. combine, and that's why, okay, so it's three, so it's, and these are embedded within the Hebrew alphabet, right? You've got the three, um, mother letters for the elements combined our earth you get the seven uh, single letters for the uh wait single or double you get the seven letters for the planets and then the remaining 12 letters are the zodiac making up 22 hebrew letters you combine those all in various um um uh, patterns and you get the tree of life that's all the tree of life is is an elaboration on that meaning when you have experiences like this if it's reflecting leo to you well then you know it's perhaps working with like, for instance, now, okay, Leo. All right. Well, what path is associated with Leo? Um, turns out it's strength, right? Teth, the Hebrew letter Teth. Now, uh, what is the uh, image of the strength card? The woman with the lion. Right. Or in the Crowley deck, it's the woman riding the lion, which is the beast in Babylon. Yeah. Right. Um, so, but, but, but he's, he's accurate in that. Um, yeah, I know he's accurate. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, uh, because one represents sexual energy, right. Mm-hmm. And repressing it. And the other one means using it and using it basically. Um, so the, um, so my broader point is, have you read Liber 777? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I went through it, but not, not in detail enough detail i haven't focused on a lot of the sort of magic fundamentals that i should probably focus on i've been so focused on just straight meditate just straight getting myself out of chapel perilous (laughs) you know and uh but now i guess you know it probably now that i'm hearing this from you jason it's it's right clicking and registering um, and I, I think that you're, 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 uh, dead on, 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 on this. Yeah. So, so the whole thing about seven, 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 it's like, you, you have a vision. It's like, okay, well, what is that? And you look at seven, 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 and there's even a column for animals in which you could go and you, Oh, lion. Okay. Well, lion is strength and Leo and all. And then you immediately have all of the correspondences. And this turns out to be very, very useful for a lot of reasons. One is once you actually memorize all this stuff and do it through path working, it decreases. It's, you no longer have to keep track of it. It's like all, it's a filing cabinet, as Crowley puts it. All that shit is filed away. And then the minute you have a vision, you're like that. You're like, oh yeah, okay, okay. Um, and then also it becomes very, very useful because if you do a ritual um, to do something specific, like let, let's say you do a ritual uh, to work with the energy of Leo and mermaids show up. Well, you know, you fucked up, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Where you do a ritual for Leo and, and lion, like, um, at a very basic level, lion, like, um, images appear, then you got it right. 
you know, otherwise, you know, banish, start over. What did you fuck up in your banishing and invoking stack? So, yeah, I, I guess, you know, not to be, uh, you know, it's really hard to, to rub out the, the, the inner skeptic. The thing that, the issue that I've always had with 777 is I've, I've wondered where exactly, like from which ass were these correspondences pulled, you know? Like, were they, like, who came up with them? What you know are are these just in are these just assumptions? Are they some pulled from subjective experience? You know where where were these? It's obviously an amazing piece of art, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but I'm just curious where and may, I don't know if you know this was actually now that you mentioned it was one of my other questions for you a long time ago was where were these correspondences even pulled from? So they the the initial material is in the Sefer Yetzirah which describes the whole structure of the thing, which is a, a, a very succinct book, which is a core, like the core book of, of Kabbalah, you know, a Jewish. Yeah, I've, I've scanned that one, but we're also, all of those correspondences in 777 were pulled from the separate. Well, let me, I'm getting to that. So that, that shows the basic structure. Okay. Uh, it was then uh, elaborated upon by Levy, Eliphaz Levy in the 19th century, although he deliberately, um, printed, he deliberately um, did not print the accurate information in Transcendental Meditation. Um, it was, all, and then all of that, the, the people that put it all together in its modern, the person that put it all together in its modern form was Mathers. Yeah. Golden Dawn, right? But it wasn't just, you have to realize that it wasn't just, okay, Mathers sat in the British Library for years and years and years collating all of that stuff. But it wasn't just Mathers. A lot of that was done. I mean, a lot of what the Golden Dawn was doing, you just imagine they're just sitting there basically remote viewing all day long. So a lot of that stuff came, it basically all came from the Golden Dawn, but not all, but they unified everything that was there before. It all existed. Because when you look at 777, basically what you're looking at is the structure of the Kabbalah from Sefer Yetzirah with the tarot laid on top of it and then Mathers went through and added the Egyptian gods and the classic um, mythology of Europe, to which Crowley added Hinduism and Buddhism, uh, Crowley and Bennett, extremely valuable. And further authors have, have elaborated on it further. Um, the question is not, is it real or not? It's, is it helpful? And it turns out, despite the the immense protestations of every every magician I've ever spoken to, starting from when I was first getting started in magic in my, my late teens, they all resisted the Kabbalah. Oh, that's you don't need that. Well, you don't need to learn that. It's like uh, and the, the chaos magicians completely rejected it. And what they just end up reinventing it. Like Peter Carroll put out a book where he did like the Lovecraftian, like the new Kabbalah, and it's all HP Lovecraft gods. Yeah, it's just like you just reinvented or burned down your house or, you know. Actually, now that you've you've put it into those terms, yeah, I think it's just the engineer in me wants everything to be accurate. And well, that's the uh, for you. Yeah. <laughs> if you're well, an engineer, yeah, it's, tough. It's, tough to, it's tough to sort of straddle both of these worlds. Um, but also, yeah, when you, it makes perfect sense. It doesn't really matter, you know. Reality, there's realities, and uh, is it helpful? Is really the ultimate question. It's extremely helpful. Think of it as a, um, just think of it as a cataloging system. Okay. Right, and and there's it's the best, and even Crowley says this. It's like it's not useful. It's not val. It's not valuable because there's like some eternal truth 
to it. It's valuable because it's fucking useful and it works. And honestly, um, it, it, it's um, basically what he says is the closest thing we have is the Abhidhamma in Tibetan Buddhism, which is just uh, nobody uses, and it's 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 much too complex. Um, and when you're if you're working Western magical systems, which by default you are, if you grew up in a Western culture, <laughs> right? <laughs> and the other thing to remember, by the way, I point this out in the John D. book, is all of those correspondences are hard cooked into you already, right? Because um, our culture uses them, right? They're hard baked into our culture. So here's an example, right? This is the example that I give in the book. It's like, okay, so if you think about doing something, if you think about giving somebody a Valentine's Day present, right? Then you would immediately think, okay, you, what you would think of, oh, roses, um, I'm, um, you know, a poem declaring my love. Uh, I'm just being yeah, chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate, like red, pink, the certain colors come to mind. All that shit is nutzock, right? That stuff is all, those correspondences are already cooked into the culture. Those are all Kabbalistic correspondences. And it's like, well, and what I say in the book is like, well, okay, well, you could say all that stuff is arbitrary and it doesn't really matter. And actually what matters is, it's is is your intent, i.e., it's the thought that counts. Well, just try that on Valentine's Day and see how far that gets you. Not right. very far. <laughs> right. So, um, <laughs> but but, but, I, I, but my overall point is what we're discussing is, and this is my point about the artist palette. It's like what we're discussing is that we're, we're suggest we're su- what the Kabbalah is is a system for filing subjective meaning, not for yeah. not for. Uh, uh, not some objectively true thing, right? It's a filing cabinet for subjective meaning in the same sense that like, so I'm really, I'm learning music right now. It's like when you're learning music, like every time I go to, you know, obviously there's inner structure to music and it's unwavering. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. There's, you know, none of all that stuff is unwavering. It's it's, uh, as unwavering as math, right? But then it's like, every time I talk to a musician, they're like, oh, you don't need that. You know, just, just, you know, just go with the flow, man. It's like, okay. Yeah, well, it's easy to go with the flow, but they even forget that the flow's already baked within. Right. And I'm, I'm also like, well, easy for you to say you went to school for music. Yeah, right. I didn't. I don't know any of this shit. So it's like, okay, well, and, and, and so there's a real, and this is actually the key point. This is the key point that, because I, I was thinking about this last night. So a lot of you and probably a lot of people on this call know the thing about conscious and unconscious, uh, unconscious and conscious competence, right? And it depends on how you're, you're, you're talking about it. Okay. So this is an NLP concept. It's used in corporate trainings all over the world. Um, when you're learning a new skill, there's four stages you go through, right? One is um, unconscious incompetence, right? Meaning you don't know what you're doing, but you don't know that you don't know what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? Which is where beginner's luck comes from. Like somebody just sits down at something and they do something great because they don't know that they don't know, right? So there's a certain there's a certain beginner's luck factor or an idiot savant factor where somebody can just suddenly do something but then they can't repeat it. They don't know what they did. If you ask them to do it again, they have no idea what they did, so they can't do it again. Right. And then, then, then they start, then they keep going thinking that they're really good at it and nothing works. And they're like, that's when they enter stage two, conscious incompetence. Oh shit, I don't actually know what I'm doing. And then at that point, they start to actually learn how the skill works. And so over the course of a long period of time, depending on how hard they train, they go from 
conscious incompetence, meaning they know that they don't know what they're doing, to conscious competence, meaning now they know what they're doing and they can do it if they're paying full attention and focus to it and they're going through all their heuristics and rules and everything, all their notes and everything they've written down and they've made, it's very artificial and stilted at that point, but they know the steps and they know the order to do them in. Only at that point, when they then they go into unconscious competence, which is where somebody can just do it without thinking about it, but it's right. right. But here's the problem, right? This is what I realized last night, actually. Here's the problem <clears throat> to magic and actually everything. People confuse unconscious and con uh, unconscious incompetence and unconscious competence, right? So all these people come to magic and they say, well, the, you know, all the great people, like they weren't, you know, like they just did stuff and it seemed to work. Well, what they're forgetting is they went through this phase where they had to learn everything and then forget it. You know, like Austin Spare always used to say, you know, I've forgotten more about magic, you know, than, you know, than anyone on earth, right? Something like that. So, but he wasn't yeah. doing anything Kabbalistic, but it's not like he, he went through the AA, but, you know, it's like he was around Crowley, all that. So yeah. on, on a universal level, it's almost, it's funny when you were saying that it kind of mapped for me to the idea um, that, you know, at first it's coincidence and then it's synchronicity and then it's skill. And then it's just the way you live your life after the skill part. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then, you know, you can just let go. It's funny, you know, people will talk about Wobi Sobi or, you know, uh, this idea or Wu Wei, you know, of just like letting go. There's nothing to be done and all that. And it's like, well, you got to learn to ride the bike first. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's actually, so it's like for me when I'm learning music and it's like, if people are saying like, oh yeah, just do whatever. It's like, this is very, it's, I get frustrated. It's like so unhelpful. It's like, I can't, like that may easy for you to say, right? Like that's where you're at now, but you can't tell a beginner that because like, so it's, I mean, the, the most obvious, like the example is riding a bike. It's like, once you know how to ride a bike, you never think about driving a car. Think about this, right? You do you drive. Yeah. Right. So like every time you get behind the wheel of a car, you are assuming there are almost infinite points between a point A and B where you could destroy the existence of several people. Right. <laughs> you know, children, women, you know, it's like you're behind, but like how often do you actually think you're like trying you're listening to the radio, you're thinking yeah. about something totally unconscious. It's like that, that a skill of that, I mean, and think about how complex driving is. It's just totally on autopilot. Right. But if you were to tell, but like, if you, if like, you know, if you're, if you're a driving instructor, you have a 16 year old, it's like, are you going to tell them, Oh, you know, just go with the flow. It'll be fine. <laughs> no. Right. So, 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 so it kind of works like that. And, and so it's a long winded way of saying that the, the, what I, what I, I guess what I'm really trying to express to you is that you can ask me and I can tell you the answer, but if you go through a period of learning, uh, seven, seven, seven and doing, uh, the best way to do that, by the way, is to do path workings for each of the major tarot cards. Okay. And, um, once you do that, it's all locked into place. And then you just know, it's like, it's just, okay, well. Yeah, I know. In those regards, I, I've been extraordinarily disciplined in, uh, in other aspects, but, but in some of the laying down the foundational stuff, I found one way or the other to rationalize because you look at all those tables of correspondences and you're like, I don't want to memorize that shit. But it's probably, uh, you know, if I really want to commit to this particular kind of work, that's probably necessary. What I want to underline is 
that is, in a, it, it seems like a lot of work, but it is immensely time saving. Immensely. Like, I can't even, like, once you get that really embedded um, and second nature, it's like you never have to think about that stuff again. And Crowley says in book four, it's like it decreases. One of the reasons why he has, one of the reasons why it's important is because you're, it, or, once you go through that, everything in your mind is ordered. It's like a filing yeah. cabinet, everything pertains. And then you never have to think about that. And, and, and then your mind is more clear. It's like, it's like, it's, you're taking a mess. It's like, basically when you're coming into magic, it's like, okay, like you're looking at, what is this? You've got all the gods from all these different cultures. Like right. what, what's the truth? Like, oh my God, like what, uh, uh, you know, like Egyptian, Aztec, Sumerian, Christian, how does this all fit together? How can all these people have contradictory ideas? Oh my God. Right. Um, what system is the right system? Where do I start? Like, what does this vision mean? What does it all mean? And what, you, what you're not really like, once you go through that, you realize all of that can be reduced to 10 numbers. Like literally, like I, you can say three and it gives you, once you have that, you just say three and it has the immediate association chain of everything you know, like, uh, you know, the, the whole scale of color, the Bina, Saturn, Babylon, and Kali, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, the abyss, the city of the pyramids, the Magister Templi, uh, you know, on and on and on and on, goddess energy in, in general, you know, like the dark goddess, all this stuff, right? And, and then it's just like, it becomes one, it, so instead of this mess, it becomes one association chain. And then it becomes- That's extraordinarily valuable. Yeah. I, I know now I, I'm seeing it now, how just how about, especially with some of the shit that I've dealt with trying to piece fragments together when shit's just going nuts to have those association chains in place for the purpose of reality map making. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I get it now. And at that point, once you're there, yes. Okay. There are all these truisms about, Oh, the map is not the territory and all this. Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. Okay, yes, but my response to this always was okay, yes. Let's get somewhere without a map, fool. Right, exactly. It's like it's like the map is not the territory, but try going, you know, now getting the <laughs> You know, it's like, yes, obviously the map is not the territory, but it is an ex but basically once you have all that, then you know where you, you have a GPS. It's like you know where you are. You know that if you have a, a vision of Mercury. Uh, you know that you're in hood, you know, you know that if you have a vision that pertains to like information and uh, intelligence and all of this stuff, and there's mercurial imagery and all this, and you know, that's hood, you know, like, okay, that goes there. And you know that if you have some vision that is about, um, you know, lions devouring you or something like that, well, then you know where you are, you know, it's like strength Leo, or maybe somewhere else, because there, there's something's phase in and out. Um, and then of course, you know, then once the tree is mastered, you've got 30, you basically got the tree. You're being, you basically got 32 fight, you know, drawers, right? You've got to fight instead of this mess. And by the way, you can, this, here's another reason why this is so important, right? You can see this in the culture about people who don't have the, I'm going to make a really fucking base point right now. So basically what you're doing is you're cleaning up your internal. Yeah. Right. And you're making sense of it and ordering it. And it, you're you're making order 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 ab chow, order out of chaos. Yeah. Right. Um, um, so you're cleaning your room, and you can see people in the culture who don't have this sorted out because you'll see people like Jordan Peterson or any other person who talks about Jungian shit, 
And then once you know stuff, you'll just hear these people and they're just they're spewing shit out of their mouth. They're just like, oh, well, you know, like the great union significance of the star is related to it's like and they're just like saying words. You're like, actually, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And 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 it's actually really important because, you know, earlier in the previous call, we were talking about the four worlds of the Kabbalah. So Asaya, uh, Yetzirah, Bria, Absolute. So you understand different levels of, of correspondence and how ultimately these things are ultimately empty. So you understand that, for instance, immediately, or if you're talking about a symbol in Tefereth, that you're like, yes, that's Tefereth, but it's not ultimate truth. You automatically understand that there's all the other stages above that where other people don't. They just get some vision and you're like, and they're like, that's God. I know the truth. It's yeah, like, I, I was there. I was there at that point because I was, you know, an atheist. You're an atheist, and then you have this like Tefereth vision. And to you, that's God. You just right. saw God, you know. But now I have a, and it's interesting that, that you're, really helping me here um pull this together or at least to validate some ideas that i had internally this is critical for everyone by the way this is this 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 work that we're talking about right now is as fundamental to the early stages as um meditation it really is yeah and think about it this way right and this will appeal to you you've got meditation which is a brute force way of calming your mind yeah. And then you've got Kabbalah, which is a way of ordering every, all the other shit in it so that it's at least filed away and clean so that you can meditate <laughs> cleanly. Right. Right. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And it, w- one of the most interesting things to me, one of the most interesting points uh, or realizations that I had once I started to study Kabbalah, I kind of internally, intuitively understood that the vision I had was related to, to Farif. And by the way, I'm not necessarily sure it is related. I know. I, I know. No, yeah. I, don't worry, Jason. I won't hold you to it. <laughs> I, I would say Leo. Uh, well, here's why it's related to Ferris, by yeah. the way. So here's an example of what you can do is right. The, okay. The reason that it's related to Leo uh, is obvious. Yeah. Right. So then you get the strength card. Um, the reason that it is related to, to Ferris is because the lion is often used as a symbol of Christ, which is a symbol of Tefereth which is a symbol of the sun and which is a symbol of the ego. I was also bathed in pure, unconditional love. And it was made clear to me that the sins of humanity were entirely forgiven as a foregone conclusion. So, so there you go. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so now, now, by the way, I just want to call your attention to, um, and I'm not cutting you off. No, um, I got I'm just calling your attention to the fact that notice how I just responded to that. It's like, Oh, it's this, 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 this. Yeah. That's that. Okay, great. Now, and it doesn't, that doesn't diminish it. It means it's absolutely critical. But you notice I'm like, okay, that goes there. That's great. And then there's all this other stuff. Now compare that to somebody without any of that training, just experiencing that, suddenly being like, I saw Jesus. No, that's exactly where I, I was. Run for being, I need to become a senator. <laughs> you know? No, that's exactly, exactly where I was. And, you know, since I didn't have any tool belt whatsoever, um, this kind of hit me. And, uh, you know, the, my ego... Uh, almost immediately uh, just expanded to the size of the universe and, you know, really tried to claim all of this. And for a long time, I mean, you know, I'm incredibly grateful that I have a lot of friends who had already 
put in 20 years down a Zen path or something, you know, that were around me and other elements, other individuals began to show up in my life. You, I was led to fairly shortly thereafter, um, you know, and that really, really helped. Doesn't mean that I didn't chase after that shit, you know, for uh, a year and almost kill myself and all the kinds of usual stuff. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but what you're saying, I mean, this, these are all, ar- these also are archetypal experiences, right? That's yeah. what happens at Teferith when you contact Teferith. And by the way, contacting Teferith also does not mean that you have the grade of Teferith because you don't get the grade until you stabilize that as base aware. Yeah, no, it was completely unstable. Um, and hence, this is why magic is a great work instead of, you know, because otherwise you could just give someone a vision of Kether and then they'd be done. It's like, if only, right? Yeah, so, right. The, um, um, so the ego expansion, like I went through all this as well. So yeah. the, the sun, the lion, all of these are related to the ego. These are all symbols of the ego and the sign, which is, you know, it's, it, again, we have association chains. So the, the danger of Tefereth, I think there's actually a term for it, but I forget, is basically you get this huge ego expansion. And that's the point at which, and by the way, Tefereth is the highest um, goal of most human beings spiritually. And prior to only recently, it was the highest that most, um, at least Western initiates, were able to attain. Yeah. Now it's changed because we're in a different time period. And so people are all obsessed with crossing the abyss and stuff like that, often prior to the right hitting Tefereth. So, but the ego expansion of Tefereth is what Tefereth does, right? Because you're, in a, you're, you're touching the transcendent ego. Um, and there is always the expansion followed by contacting reality. And this is where everyone hits, where they decide they're the Messiah, where they yep. decide, uh, you know, they got to start a cult. Oh, all the all shit, it, man. Right? Because by the way, what's the sphere after Teferis, right? That's Doth. Uh, well, in the middle pillar, but numerically, what's the sphere after uh, Teferis? Oh, oh I... Um, what was that? So along the serpent path, which means climbing the tree in a zigzag fashion, the uh, after Teferit, the next step is Gabura five, which is warfare, violence, and and uh, aggression. Fuck me. So so think about this, right? Um, just just not to pick on one religion because it happens to everyone, uh, but everyone said, oh, let's say Christianity, right? Okay, well Christ, well then followed by the church militants, right? Or Muhammad becoming enlightened in a cave, followed by the imperial activity of Islam, right? It happened, yeah. and, and, and then four, Hasid establishing dominance in the earth, all this stuff. So if you don't know the stages, you, people get stuck and that's the problem, right? And another, another um, really, another um, um, critical example of this within our own time period is, um, I think, uh, uh, I think you're probably old enough to, you're, you're, I think we're around the same age. We are. Um, so we're, so we're both old enough to remember this, but other people on the call may or may not be, which is the, um, the rave years, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, I'm totally serious. Right. It's like all these people were doing tons of MDMA, yeah. which is associated with the heart, right? The heart chakra. I love everyone. I love you, man. Yeah. To a drug dealer you met 90 seconds previous. Right. You know, like, <laughs> right? um, and, uh, it's great. And so, loving people without drugs. <laughs> What's that? Said try loving people without drugs. <laughs> right, because that's actually real, right? So yeah. 
Um, but you know, MDMA is, is a, such a beautiful drug, right? Not that I, uh, or anyone on this call has ever done it, right? Somebody I read on the internet, it's a very beautiful drug. It has a tremendous spiritual potential. Um, uh, but it opens the heart. Well, so again, Kabbalah, Kabbalah is not, by the way, Kabbalah is not just shit in a fucking Crowley book, right? It's like, Oh, the heart. Well, you know, w- w- in your life, right? It's like MDMA, obviously to Ferris, right? Heart opening, right? Um, and, and then people are having all, you know, the rave years, people are having all these archetypal experiences of, you know, the same thing happened in the sixties. The next thing that happens is, Oh, we have to, if only we can give everyone MDMA, if only we can give everyone else, if only everyone would come to the rave and experience love, all the problems in the world would end. And then what happens next, they contract, they con uh, contact reality and it's a horrible come down. And then the drinking starts and the burnout and the dark side, because people like they're in that state and they forget that their dark side exists. Right. And there's still work to be done. It's, it's not just MDMA. It's any spirit. People are all, this is spiritual bypassing, right? People are constantly trying to get into altered states of consciousness. Yeah. To avoid their problems. Right. It's like, no, that stuff has to be integrated. So, um, so, so the Kabbalah also is not just a series of dead core. Look at it this way. It's more than a set of correspondences on a page. Memorizing and working with the correspondences is similar to what I was saying in the last call. Um, think of them as, uh, mnemonics, training wheels, and tools to allow you to understand that energy that's in your life and in the world and always has been and always will be because it's part of human existence. All humans all go through these stages, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. The world does, so. No, I'm definitely seeing now the, the, cause before when I've read through 777 and I've touched it a few times, uh, I've just been like, I don't want to memorize who came up with this shit. Is this worth memorizing? But now that you're sort of putting it into context, I can see how immensely valuable yeah. uh, this would be for this work, especially with the stage I'm at right now where I'm really finally trying to uh, ditch, drop out a lot of dogma, burn a lot of boats, and uh, work on my own maps. Because, you know, for quite a while, I didn't even have the ability to like structure a map in my mind about, you know, the experiences that I had had. And that's a really fragile and um, sensitive place to be. And you essentially end up having to read everybody else's stuff to try to get like what fits, what fits, what fits, what fits, what fits, you know? And then I'm finally now at a, a, at a place where I'd like to begin working on my own personal maps a little bit more. Um, cause that's always, certainly I've always been very independent. So that's far more comfortable for me, but it's been a great experience too, to be like, had the shit knocked out of me. And, you know, it's a very humbling, uh, experience for someone who used to be, or was used to being uh, a very, very good map maker in reality on the physical plane, you know? Um, so yeah, no, I think, uh, you definitely helped me out there. Thanks. Great. Yeah, I want I want to point out too. It's like when you people think of the Kabbalah as a dogmatic system, it's really not right no, because not at because all. what when you're working through it, it's personal to you. Like no no one's Kabbalah is the same as anyone else's. But yeah. um, and, and again, this is all the stuff Crowley has said, and I found it to be totally true. It's like you and I can talk about. Um, you know, it's like it's everyone's Kabbalah is different. Like like you know, but you and I can talk about. Uh, the heart, love, sun, lion, understand that these all things, all these things link up and talk about that part of human existence. And it's pretty close, right? But it means yeah. something totally different. For, like your internal visions are totally different from mine, yet 
you can say, oh, lion would made of stars. I was like, oh, well, that's Leo and this goes to this part, but it's your vision and it's totally personal to you, right? But um, so everyone builds their own Kabbalah. The floor plan is the same, but just yeah. think of it as a, of, um, you know, like a, uh, um, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's not a system. It's a floor plan for building your own internal map. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, it's actually amazing that we can have this conversation at all. And the fact that using the cabal as a map sort of assists in that, I think for everybody else on the call just goes to show the value of having these kinds of maps, especially when you start, you know, broaching this territory, uh, you're going to want a map. <laughs> and in the same way that in the prior call, um, you know, Cliff was saying that where he was, uh, you know, and I knew exactly where he was and I could see it manifesting in every single word that he was saying, you know, it's like, it's like the maps are real, the internal, the initiates are all different. The internal experiences are all more or less different. It's not like, a, this is why this isn't like a, re, it's not a religion where you go and everyone has the one side. That's not nonsense that everyone has the one size fits all, but it's like, basically you give people the map. They have the experience. And I know exactly, I know exactly where he is and I know exactly the next steps. Right. Yeah. And that's not me. And that's not me telling him, Oh, do this. It's like, okay, we'll just, you know, like that's, that's the, that's the turn off that you want to take on the next road. So. Sure. And you know, to, to that point, Jason, as soon as you've learned enough music to play something and be happy with yourself, just drop everything and learn music theory. You'll do yourself a huge favor. Um, oh, you're saying, um, uh, learn music theory instead of playing music. I'm saying once you get to the point where you've done some little dinky dinky thing and you're very pleased with yourself, stop trying to gain fundamental skills and just learn, like take three weeks and learn music theory. Because if you do that, uh, everything you do moving forward, you're going to progress at like about three times the speed. Great. Uh, but that, that's you where I'm at now. Yeah. Cool. What, what, uh, to what it, uh, how like what to what extent should you learn music theory because i've got like core i understand the fun chord scales uh talking cir circle of fifths okay i have that yeah um compositional theory Composition, so what is that basically how to do chord progressions okay um like basically you know read uh music composition for dummies <laughs> you know oh, oh great that's a great yeah Okay. Just, just get some basic compositional theory under your belt um, so that you know how to do chord progression changes from like one chord progression into another chord, chord progression. Uh, and you can make it sound, you know, classical. You can make it sound, very, you know, you just, you'll just learn how to compose music um, in the way that composers have been doing it for hundreds of years. So that in, once you learn that, and if you learn that up front, rather than like getting all of this, all these bad habits under your belt while your mind is still fresh and you haven't like imprinted yourself, I always tell people learn your music theory first okay. and then go in and get all your uh, technical skills under your belt. And you'll be in, you'll find that like three times faster than everybody else. Suddenly you're like creating shit that sounds awesome. And you're very, very, and then you go from being slightly pleased with yourself because you could make something that sounds halfway decent to being extraordinarily pleased with yourself. That's, that's awesome. Thank you for that. So, so uh, thank you. And I will do that. And that's literally what you just said to me is exactly what I was just saying to you about Kabbalah. It's, and it's exactly the same. It's like, <laughs> right? learn the Kabbalah. People are like, and it's the same. It's like people look at music theory and they're like, 
like what like i just i i gotta feel the music in me man you know like it's like well yes but you know anyways it's the same with kabbalah people look at the 777 immediately chuck it out and say and then then make up some story about how it's not important Um, but it's exactly the same as what you're saying okay cool all right thanks jason you're welcome